Old School Lame Casual Chats is brought to you by Old School Lame, producing various content from blogs, videos, and podcasts discussing about movies, TV shows, video games, and everything else in between since 2011. You can check out the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and YouTube. We're associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Aaron Meta Show. Welcome to a new episode of Casual Chats. I am Patricia, and I want to say thank you to all of my listeners who have been super patient since we haven't done a podcast in almost two months. But nonetheless, uh, we wanted to, you know, start things back with a bang. And so we have these uh, very special guests to discuss about uh, something that means a lot to us. So uh, back with me is uh, my co-host Aaron Meta from the Aaron Meta Show, and Aaron and Patricia. Um, hello, everybody. Uh, currently uh, serving multiple life sentences in the Conformatorium for, for writing R-rated fan fiction in, uh, for, about vegetables. <laughs> and uh, back with us are uh, Michael McKinney, a.k.a. Fusionator, and uh, Paul Thomas, a.k.a. GunterFan1992 from the Adventure Time podcast. So welcome back, guys. <laughs> it, it's awesome to be here again. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. And uh, we have some very special guests, uh, some of which who have never been on the podcast before. Uh, one guest I've known for quite a while. I've known him for almost a decade, but uh, you may know him for his blog at Look at Disney. We have uh, Tim Murphy. Uh, welcome, Tim. Hi, thanks for, thanks for having me here. This is really neat. And uh, we have ourselves a super special guest that I just, uh, that all of you guys on social media were saying, uh, you need to have her on the show. Uh, Aaron and I were just asking, uh, hey, um, you know, who can we ask that is a huge fan of this particular show that we're talking about? And everybody unanimously said this person. So uh, she does reviews, she does analytical videos, she does reactions. Um, she is Rebecca Rose. So welcome, Rebecca. Oh, thank you so much. I didn't know the context behind that. Now I feel like there's so much pressure on me. I didn't know it was such a unanimous choice. Well, yeah, you know, I have to say, Rebecca, I mean, uh, I've been on Reddit and I've been on Discord for with most of the Our House fans, and uh, they really love your work. So, uh, you know, you think uh, good job on everything that you've done so far. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's so heartwarming to hear. Uh, so you I can to attest to that. I am a big fan of yours. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I've seen a few videos of yours myself. They're pretty good. Oh, oh thanks. So yeah, so I'm just going to fish for compliments. This is this is what this is going to be. I'm just going to be fishing for compliments the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, today we're going to be discussing about the 2020 Disney animated series, The Owl House, created by Dana Terrace. And uh, for those who are wondering what the show is about, it's about a young teenage girl named Luz Noceta as she uh, wanders into uh, an unsuspecting house where it takes her over to the boiling aisles where she meets up 
uh, with a uh, scheming witch known as Ida, and she learns about um, various things about how to learn how to become a witch, and along the way she meets up with various characters. She goes over to a school for learning how to do magic called Hexide, and along the way we get to learn about some, uh, you know, very suspicious schemes uh, by the emperor known as Bellows. So, uh, yeah, if any of you guys are interested in checking out The Owl House, uh, you could watch it on Disney Plus, at least the first season, and uh, in honor of the second season, which uh, as of the recording of this podcast, is going to be coming out this Saturday, and it'll be airing every week until, mm, I don't know, maybe the next few months, but nonetheless, uh, we are very excited to talk about it, and i like to know from all of you guys, I guess we'll start off with our new guest, so um, Rebecca, how did you first learn about the Owl House? Uh, I knew about the Owl House ever since it got greenlit uh, back in... When was it 2018 or so it was greenlit alongside amphibia and i remember uh alex hirsch tweeting out that he was gonna be a voice of this new show uh it was gonna be made by dana terris who used to work on gravity falls um and like i remember just seeing like the promotional art that came out for for it when it got greenlit and i remember instantly being like this is gonna be like the next big thing like this is gonna be like the next big animated show uh, and so just ever since then, I've been following it. I haven't been covering it on YouTube the whole time. Uh, that didn't really start until quarantine. But in terms of just like following, it's like production and everything like that up till it's released. I've, I've been been aware of it since uh, since day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you, Tim? Um, a year before it aired, I believe, I found a review of the pilot episode from the Annecy Film Festival on oneofus.net. And funnily enough, when I found that review, I was taking a history of witches class at my college. Mm-hmm. So I've always been into witches. So seeing this review is like, ooh, this sounds cool. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael, how about you? It was actually a buddy of mine who, uh, convinced me to check out the show after several months of pestering me. I finally did it, and it was a little bit of a regret on my part for not getting into it a little quicker. Mm-hmm. Which actually worked out, because I might not have made videos on it at, this, at the time that I really would have wanted to in that case, so it for the best. Right. How about you, Paul? Uh, I know that this is a little bit different for you since I know that you talk mostly about Adventure Time stuff. So how did you first learn about the Owl House? Yeah, well, it was uh, Adventure Time plays into this. Um, after that series ended, I was kind of rudderless and I needed a show. And so I jumped to the Shira fandom. And then once that ended, I needed another show. And everyone was saying great things about the Owl House. And I watched it uh, at the very end of the season. Um, was it like August or something when that happened? August of mm-hmm. 2020. Um, so I caught up by that point and then joined the uh, the subreddit, which um, there is a lot of activity there, I'll put it that way. And I was really blown away by the fandom. I loved the show. I thought it was really sweet and fun and I liked all the characters. And of course it has um, sort of, it reminded me of Gravity Falls in a way, uh, but not, you know, it wasn't too derivative or anything like that. I just liked the charm of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aaron and I have a very similar story of how we first got introduced to the show. So Aaron, I'll let you cover it. Okay, so how this all began is that um, all the, my fans who were from Hey Arnold who gravitated to other shows, so they went to Gravity Falls, they went to Amphibia, they went to various other ones. All of a sudden, they just started freaking out. All of a sudden, about you know how this other how this other series ended, and it was like, oh, I can't believe you know all this happened. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, by the way, who was uh, just uh, tr- jumping into the podcast. We'll probably do spoilers probably like very end of the show, but uh, you know you. 
know when like you, you hear about like you say you're sitting in your house and then you hear a smash and it's kind of like you know what the heck was that and you go outside and you realize that like you know there's been a car accident or something like that and you kind of like see what's kind of like happened at the end before like all the events have taken place and that's kind of how i was introduced to the owl house i kind of saw like the result of like what happened and then i was kind of like just quizzical of like what happened here like you know so me and patricia then were then told by the fans about the owl house and what the show was about and we decided okay well let's check this out let's see what it's like and i have to say this you know um we get accused me and patricia you know we're 90s kids you know and late 80s kids you know we grew up with thundercats we grew up with the dreamstone we grew up with uh, you know rugrats the nicktoons the cartoon cartoons uh some of the early disney channel stuff that first came out we were kind of part of a golden age of um television you know pending that my dad wasn't using his razor and uh, you know the satellite didn't go off you know uh, it was like uh, we were part of that kind of age of like you know the analog tv you know uh, you know the, the, the it had a charm to it these types of cartoons and uh, you know when we saw the owl house it I, I'm, I'm being dead serious here this took me back this took me back to like, you know, being a kid watching satellite television, you know, enjoying, you know, these cartoons again. And I never thought for a long time that I'd ever have this feeling again. But, you know, here we are in this era of the Owl House, Gravity Falls, um, all these other great shows that are now coming out. You know, it's uh, the one great thing I have to say to uh, to uh, Dinah Terrace and uh, all the guys who, who may be listening to this, you know, you guys have done a phenomenal job and have really brought me back to like thinking, you know what, maybe there are some cartoons out there that aren't the Patrick Star show, which actually do deserve some credit. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I've actually gotten a lot of requests for me to cover some newer stuff. I've had it for the longest time, ever since casual chats first started. Uh, it's not that they didn't appreciate me covering older topics, but I wanted to for the longest time wanted to cover something new. But the problem was, is that a lot of people have covered it to death that I needed to find a new angle to go into. So, you know, I started dipping my toe in recent months with like newer stuff. And a lot of people really started to gravitate to it. And the Adventure Time podcast definitely was like the jumping point in which people were saying, yeah, we want you to cover some newer stuff. Uh, It's currently the most um, like the third most listened to podcast on my anchor page. So that just goes to show you that people really want this and uh you know i've been wanting to check out the show for quite a while but i just haven't had the time to do it especially with me being busy with school and other stuff so yeah now we're finally here so now we can finally talk about this show so as usual i always like to start off with characters episodes moments and just um you know then of course we'll go into like theories of season two and all that kind of stuff which i know a lot of people are really excited about so yeah let's uh let's start off with characters so who's your favorite character for me, it's easily lose. She's basically a carbon copy of how I was as a kid. You know, just that extra nerdy, geeky, you know, thought process on everything. You know, just wanting to sink your teeth into the, just the world around you. And, you know, the way she bonds with people is this super awkward manner, but still super heartwarming. Mm-hmm. It Every second she's on screen is the best part of the show, which works since she's the main character. It's yeah. part of why I love the show so much. I mean, um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say uh, Amity, like, immediately, like, the second she was on screen, because I'm just kind of, like, a sucker for, like, the uh, 
the the jerks with a heart of gold kind of kind of characters and so like you know the first episode she she appeared in I was just like yeah this this is gonna be my girl this is the one that you know I'm gonna just you know ride with the rest of the series um so yeah so so Amity for me but I also do love Luz for for all the reasons that that you just said just how like just adorable she is and just like so endearing um but yeah th those are probably like my 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 top two yeah, um, Amity also has to be uh, my favorite character of the show, without without a doubt. But I say that with a bit of bias, really, because I've grown up with uh, Helga Pataki from Hey Arnold, and uh, there is various elements of Helga within Amity, and uh, that's the reason why I root for her so much. And uh, also, I like characters that you know, obviously, you know, uh, are unique and uh, want to you know set you know break new ground and set new trends i mean she's obviously i mean we, i obviously this isn't like her main part of the character but the fact that uh, she has uh, you know she she's a lesbian in the show i think is a very very unique we've never i mean obviously there's been mr simmons there's been you know various other you know gay lgbtq characters but not to the as exposed i would say as amity is and also with Luz as well. Obviously, she's bisexual in this show. So I think uh, I like these characters that are breaking ground. Uh, King, I think, is... Uh, I, I love King so much in, in this. When he first came up on screen and he was like, you know, he, he was supposed to be like this ferocious demon and we just saw him with like this rubber duck. And then Luz just kind of just says, uh, hey, and like uh, just says how cute he is. Like, and then he has to say you know uh, uh no i don't know who your little guy is who is this monster like I, I love that whole introduction and all the story that builds over to that you know with their evolving friendship over the show i think uh, that those uh, that is great as well so amity number one king number two and uh, everybody else i'd have to kind of like uh, you know i probably have to do a top 10 for that i yeah. think if you have to go further but yeah all right for, for me well I'll just say Lumity, because I'm a Lumity shipper. <laughs> I am too. Was, what's funny, at first I thought I was going to hate Amity, but I'm sure you guys have seen it, the Little Miss Perfect animatic starring Amity. Hmm. That, that made me a fan. It's so cute. It's basically an animatic set to the song Little Miss Perfect of Amity trying to hide her crush on Luce. So that made me reevaluate Amity as a character. It's like, she's so adorable and I want to protect her at all costs. <laughs> and then Luce is very special and personal to me because she's bisexual like me. She's neurodivergent like me and she's into witches like me. Yes, those are good. Those are those are good reasons. How about you, Paul? Oh, this is a hard one. Um, I'm going to say Amity as well. Um, uh, the whole sort of like aloofness and trying to be very serious with your studies, but also, you know, wanting to have a little more fun kind of deep down reminds me a lot of my wife. Um, I think that's the same reason I, I enjoy characters like Marceline and, and stuff like that. You know, these kind of outwardly scary, angry kind of people, but deep down, you know, that they're, they're good people, heart of gold sort of story. I also love Ida. She is hilarious. And I love this idea of, uh, of an extremely powerful uh, creature or monster or witch or what have you. That's like very, very, very talented, just sort of being a, uh, you know, kind of a, a petty criminal almost just living on the outskirts of town doing whatever she wants um because so often you see people that are like super powered super charged they uh they're either super evil or they're like a superhero 
I like that there's kind of a little bit of a gray area here where she's a she's good, you know that she's good, but she also is, um, you know, not the not the most morally um, uh, what's the word most uh, um, I'm blanking on the word now. She's she's got some stories that yeah exactly yeah she's got some stories uh, that to tell. So I'm, I re- I really like her as well. Yeah. And Hootie. She's like Grunkle Stan. Yes, absolutely. Very much. Um, yeah, there is the, there is the uh, you know, obviously Uncle Stan is obviously the, uh, you know, uh, the, the relation to that. But uh, I'd like to ask everybody a question. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen Rick and Morty. I mean, would you say there's some Rick Sanchez in Ida? Would you say? Rick Sanchez, if he cared about people other than Morty a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Haven't seen the show. I can't comment. Neither is Patricia. I've got to go get her to see it. Yeah, I have not seen this show either. So I, I really need to get, I need to watch it at some point. I think that's an interesting comparison because I, I feel like the the internet, the uh, dialogue online has largely been kind of anti-Rick, uh, some of the recent stuff. Um, so the idea of kind of inverting that, but keeping the genius there uh, is very interesting. So I never mm-hmm. thought about that before. Yeah. Um, as for me, um, I've already said that I already said this, if you tune into Aaron and Patricia, but um, uh, Luce is my favorite character for a lot of reasons, very similar to uh, Timothy. Uh, I relate to her a lot because uh, she has a lot of the things that are essentially me. She's, you know, she's Dominican. I'm Dominican. She's neurodivergent. I'm neurodivergent. She loves otters. I love otters. And also, you know, otters she- with the dark side. Yes, Otters of the Dark Side. <laughs> and also, um, she befriends people. It, it, it kind of reminds me of like a shonen anime character in which like you have these people who are either like really lost, alone, or kind of grumpy. But when she comes along, it just brings out the best in them. And that really is great. You know, when you see, you know, like Ida for the first time, she's just like this you know, sniving criminal who's just constantly hiding and all she cares about is scheming people to buy like junky stuff from human society and, you know, just not going into the directions of the coven. But then Luz comes along and she has to be like this parental figure that she never even expected. And then when we see in the last episode, like she really cares about Luz to the point to which she's willing to give herself up to the emperor and stay in her owl form. And also with like uh, Amity, you were saying earlier about how she's like this grump and, you know, she has a lot of baggage in her due to the fact that she comes from this really strict uh, parental um, upbringing. And, you know, her brother and sister are like these geniuses and uh, she gets constantly embarrassed and she's kind of has to like hide away. But then when she sees Luz and, you know, their their, um, interactions with each other weren't exactly the best, especially since she was, you know, she got into trouble a lot due to the fact that she pretended to be an abomination for willow to help with her project <laughs> and then she was over at the convention to see which coven that she was going to go into and then she kind of you know got herself into trouble there so they didn't exactly have the best foot forward but then as time went on you know she starts appreciating loose for who she is by being like really unique and different and she can really connect with her and that's a, a, a fantastic thing that I see a lot in kind of like myself with Luce. And Ida's a great character as well. You know, she's just super hilarious. And uh, just the fact that she's just, 
doesn't care about a lot of things. It just makes me so, uh, it just makes me laugh every time. Like her and King have just such a great chemistry together and, and with her and Lilith. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, uh, those are definitely some of my favorite characters. And so, and so is Amity as well. She's, she's fantastic, especially with a similar reason as Aaron said about like, you know, Helga's my favorite character from Hey Arnold. So I definitely like, really like Amity for, for sure. All right, uh, with characters out of the way, let's go into episodes. So uh, what have been your favorite episodes, especially with this first season? Uh, I mean, for me, I feel like uh, the first two episodes that I feel like really hooked me into the show, not to say that I didn't like the episodes before, uh, were The Intruder and Covention. Uh, Intruder, I thought was really great because it kind of set up how dark the show could get which I really liked and appreciated because I don't think we've really seen something like that since probably like Gravity Falls when it comes to like Disney shows of how dark and creepy uh, things can get it also introduced you know a whole plot thread of Ida and her backstory that will be you know elaborated on as the season goes on uh, so I really liked that episode uh, and then Covention I think it set up a lot of the world building of how like Coven's work and you know kind of like the first introduction of Bellows because that's when we first get his name dropped and then it introduces like Lilith as a character and, and that develops with you know Ida and Lilith's relationship throughout the series and how you know they interact as sisters and then it also uh had Luce and Amity and you know seeing their relationship develop after you know a really uh a tumultuous episode from you know episode three so I think it just introduced so much that I absolutely loved and was developed throughout uh this the you know the first season that it was like you know convention I was like this is going to be kind of like the episode that I'm going to look back on and like oh like this show is something special mm -hmm. all right uh, cliche to say probably but enchanting grom fright is my favorite episode of the season I am I know it's a fan favorite, but I honestly, the week before that episode aired, I was so nervous that Disney was going to back out and they wouldn't wouldn't do what I was hoping they would do with Luce and Amity. But the fact that they went there made me so happy because I was having dreams about that episode the night before it aired. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it definitely for sure. I think for me, um, yeah, definitely the last three episodes. And uh, I mean, um, I think Rebecca can probably fill us in more because she's obviously so with, uh, with Dana. But at the very beginning of the show, didn't Disney like have a, a lot of input in how the whole thing was going to set up? And it wasn't until later on. So like when we got to like the last three, maybe a couple of episodes that, uh, you know, Dana was given free reign to kind of like take the show in the direction she wanted to take it in. Yeah, uh, during uh, the first half of the season specifically, she said that there was a lot of input from Disney. She was having like six executives like giving her different notes, uh, which I can only imagine is kind of like a, a, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen kind of a situation where, you know, just so many hands getting into it that, you know, you can't get the product that you want at the end. Uh, and she specifically said that it wasn't until Understanding Willow where she really started to kind of get more free reign and control uh, in, you know, making the episodes what she wanted them to be. And I think that really shows because, I mean, as a viewer, I thought that like understanding Willow to uh, Young Blood Old Souls, like those span of episodes and everything between were the strongest episodes of 
you know, the season. So like, you know, that that's reassuring to me, you know, as a viewer, cause I'm like, okay, like if, you know, towards the end of the season, even as a viewer before knowing that I was like, these are the strongest episodes. Like it's reassuring going into season two. Cause I'm like, oh man, like they're, they're just going to keep going with this momentum then uh, from, from there on. But yeah, I, yeah. She had a lot of uh, uh, input from executives uh, earlier on. Yeah, the, uh, I just think that's, uh, you know, the last three episodes of the season, I think uh, obviously are definitely are the strongest and it shows, you know, mm -hmm. you have Enchanting Grom fight, which, uh, you know, um, Amity, uh, comes far more out of her shell and is even willing to defend Luce and you know in uh, in that case and you can see a relationship starting to to, uh, to develop between them and uh, I mean uh, I was a bit confused like did um, I was asking myself did Luz actually see the note that kind of like got dropped down it was kind of implied that she didn't so I don't know what happened you know when obviously I mean somebody's going to spoilers again but uh, you know uh, but uh, I mean so that was uh, I like to think that now we've got a kind of like a starting point for like this. Uh, you know, this Lumini relationship to flourish, I think is a great thing. Um, when we got into Agony of the Witch, oh my, to see, to see Luz be defeated and to break down and cry, openly weep, you know, how could you not feel that? You know, like, and to have, it's also as well, it's when, you know, I can honestly say I've not seen a more emotional moment, I think, of only a very end episode, once, uh, since uh, the Rugrats episode, which I like to call, you know, the, the day the music stops, when Chucky finally finds out about her mom and, uh, you know, you know, Chaz has to, you know, sit down and talk about her. You know, I forgot like, uh, about that episode yeah, until exactly, now. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it, it kind of reminded, it took me back to that moment where it's kind of like, oh, wow. You know, um, this is this is getting into a really emotional moment right now, and like, uh, you you feel so so sad for lose. And oh my goodness! And then when we get to the final episode, and when she just picks up a weapon and says, "You know what? We're gonna go in there and we're gonna get her." And then she has that conversation with uh, with Bell, but she doesn't win the fight. It's a it's a stalemate, if anything. And uh, even though you still feel like there's a sense of accomplishment that comes out of that whole thing. And then there's like, you know, a sense of like, you know, maybe Emperor Bowers isn't all that powerful as that we're being led to, to, led to believe. Like, uh, I think, uh, you know, we, we talked about characters before. I think one character, I think, who has been not really discussed all in that much detail, I think has been Emperor Bowers herself. Like, what the hell is he? Like, you know, is he the T-1000 from Terminator 2? I mean, like, uh, is he, I mean, is he, um, is he an android? Is he a cyborg? I mean, like, uh, you know, watching that last episode, I, I, I had many questions. That's all I can say. Like, who is this guy? What's he, what, what's he doing? Like, you know, that portal device is he building? Like, you know, is this going to be the Resonance Cascade scenario from Half-Life all over again? Like, you know, just like, my imagination just went into overload, you know, right after that. Yeah, you know, oh, like, don't I, worry. I have we'll, so we'll many questions. Yeah, well, we'll go into like our theories like toward the end of the show. But for now, yeah, uh, okay. let's just continue on. It's hot pop from Amphibia. Hold it here. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We're gonna have an episode <laughs> where we have Gravity Falls, oh. Amphibia, and the Owl House collide into like <laughs> this huge crossover special. That's exactly well, what's gonna happen. Well, there's another show See, with an evil ruler. Disney Channel Endgame. That's what it's gonna be called. Like, there you uh, go. Yeah. I actually want that to happen so badly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't, just, I don't just, care just, if it's canon like, or not. Just, put this in your brains for a second. Just imagine this. You know, you have uh, Emperor Balos. Like, there's been this whole battle been going on. You know, you've got Luz, like, just, you know, ready to pack it in. Everyone else is on the floor. And then all of a sudden, she hears something in her ear saying, you know, like, oh, hey, we're here. And then a portal opens. And out comes, you know, Anne, Marcy, and, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and they all come out of this portal. 
and like they got all the toads around them, and then all of a sudden another portal opens, and it's uh, all the people from like other Disney Channel shows, and like uh, they all Rapunzel, just come out and they're we're ready for this like, big final again. fight. Yes, all yeah. of them. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody's Recess. In. You know, well, the recess gang come out, you know, like it's <laughs> sure. everybody. Everybody for like the last 20 years just comes out and we just have this big massive battle. Yes, yeah, let's you know. throw, throw Darkwing Duck in the gummy bears and you're done. We're done. Call <laughs> <laughs> them the end. Oh, so everyone from DuckTales. Sure, why not? Let's put them in there too. <laughs> anyway, so con- let's let's continue on. Uh, oh my gosh. Sorry, everybody. Anyway, so moving on. Um, my uh, favorite episode um, was, yeah, it was Enchanting Grom Fright, mm-hmm. as well as uh, Adventures in the Elements. Both of these episodes kind of had my two favorite elements of the show put together. The d- further development of the Lumini relationship, which is probably the most well-done characterization in the show so far, is the the advancement of these two's relationship, even if Luz isn't fully on board in, in her mind with that yet. Uh, and... Uh, also, just the environment of the Boiling Isles being put to full use, especially with the dance scene in uh, Enchanting Ground Fright, that um, piece of American Sakuga. It just showed how beautiful this show could be, but also in uh, Adventures in the Elements, where you have this beautiful landscapes, especially the scenes where she's learning to do the spells. They're just very strong uses of this amazing and mysterious world that we still probably have a lot to learn about. Yeah, for sure. Do you get the feeling that uh, a lot of the action scenes were inspired by Avatar The Last Airbender? Well, uh, Spencer One, who works on Castlevania, the Netflix series, worked on a lot of the crucial scenes that people brought up. Like, uh, he did the fighting scenes with um, Ida and Lilith in Coven uh, Convention and with the last two episodes. He also did that da- the dancing scene. So, yeah, you can definitely tell that, you know, somebody who knows a lot about choreography when it comes to, like, these epic scopes was a, as a part of it as well. And let's also forget, uh, not let's also not forget about uh, the person who is behind, like the main um, art design of it, uh, Stephen Sugar, Rebecca Sugar's brother, uh, who oh. also worked on Stephen Universe oh. as well with um, the background designs. He also played a huge part in like the designs and background elements as well. Working on Castlevania, I'm surprised Emperor Ballas didn't turn around to lose and say, "What is a human? A miserable pile of secrets." <laughs> <laughs> At some point, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Uh, well, we got, can look bloom on a battlefield, so, you know. The crew is interesting for this show because Enchanting Grom Fright was written by Noel L. Stevenson's wife, Molly Ostrang, I believe it is, and that yeah. was her first TV writing credit. Yeah, it is. That's Good actually job. crazy. Mm-hmm. Unsponsored plug, but she has a new LGBTQ book out called The Girl from the Sea. Oh, awesome. Well, um, definitely check it out um, for, I, I know Mermaid is technically over, but you know what? It's like, eh, who cares? Uh, well, go pick it up. Pride Month is, starts tomorrow. Oh yeah, that's right. Happy Pride Month for uh, for the LGBTQ crowd who is uh, listening in. I guess this is very appropriate since, um, you know, the Owl House does have that kind of representation. So yeah, uh, I'm actually... Um, also, isn't uh, Luca coming out soon as well from Pixar? Oh, that's right. Yes, it is. It's going to be coming yeah. out in a few weeks. Yeah, Only on Disney+. Plus. Eh, well, I guess it's not safe for theatrical releases as of yet, but you know what? I mean, we'll be able to see it pretty soon. True. Well, yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, Paul, uh, your favorite episodes? Um, I think mine is probably Lost in Language. Um, I was a, I work at a library right now, and I worked as a kind of a 
Shelver and children's uh, book assistant when I was in high school. So seeing Amity do that sort of stuff kind of brought me back memories. Um, I also thought the 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 Blight twins are quite fun, um, and I'm I'm hoping to see more of them in the upcoming season. Um, but I really liked the monster in that one, that horrifying like uh, rabbit thingy that kind of came alive, and I can't remember exactly what its name was, but uh, it was just this like sort of Resident Evil style monster <laughs> that was chasing them through a library. Um, it was a very spooky episode, and I appreciate that. Um, and it had all the the characters and the relationships that I'm kind of interested in. I also like the Wing It Like Witches episode just for its ridiculous send up of. Um, not only sports movies, but also uh, um, Quidditch and the irrationality <laughs> of stuff, uh, the, the, the rules in the Quidditch uh, system. Yeah, where, where Lewis was talking about, oh, uh, what's the point of even playing the game? Yeah. All you need to do is just catch this one item and yeah. then you win the game automatically. It's like, yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I love the, how they were able to poke fun of that. Absolutely. Well, yeah, they've taken a lot of jabs at Harry Potter. I mean, they even made fun of the sorting cat. Mm. Oh, yeah, they did. Yes. With the, the bent traffic cone thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the fact that the Owl House, and, you know, I can imagine, I mean, if this is going to go on for, like, you know, another two seasons, that this is going to, the, the Owl House will take no prisoners. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fantasy worlds which are going to get, you know, uh, critiqued, I think, uh, in this season as we go along. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a Narnia jab and it's like, wait a minute, in the last episode, it was all a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Luce was just daydreaming and all of a sudden she wakes up and then the bus arrives for her to go over to the normal camp. It's like nothing (laughs) happened. Oh, man. That would be. It could stupid. be worse. They could. Yeah. Uh, at one point, they could probably kill off one of the main characters, and then they just have like Lou's in bed, just you know, waking up from a dream, and then finds them in the shower. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, it's just, uh... There was an episode of Ben Ten like that, where he just wakes up in a world where Gwen's the one who got the watch, and it's just not solved by the end of the episode. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, as for like my favorite episodes, that's really tough. Um, I, I mean, I, I do agree that uh, Enchanting Gromfright is definitely like a fan favorite episode for a lot of people uh, because it just really just brings up the relationship between Luce and Amity. Um, uh, I, I really do like gravitate the most to like what you were saying earlier, Paul, about um, the fact that uh, with uh, Luce and Amity's relationship, how it was just starting to build up with the fact that they were just like not really caring too much at first, but then when Lost in Language aired in which like they really had to work together so that they can be able to uh, stop themselves from being attacked by um, the rabbit. And then all of a sudden um, they were able to um, work together and then uh, have everything back to normal. Uh, Lost in Language is a great episode, but Understanding Willow was definitely the one that really like gravitated me to watch even more of it. Uh, One of our um, followers on Twitter, Connor was even mentioning this saying like, you know, the, the, you know, the show is really good but then when you get over to the second half that's when things get really really good and I felt that that was the one for sure that really like gravitated me to it because you have this really strained relationship between Willow and Amity in which um, they used to be best friends in the past but we don't know how it happened. I mean, we were kind of hinted on that with the third episode. I was a teenage abomination. And then when that episode aired and we get to see them trying to re- uh, fix up uh, Willow's memories when it was uh, burned. And then when we got to see that scene where um, Amity was telling Willow, I don't want to be your friend anymore because you're weak because she wasn't developing her powers as quickly as everybody else. But it turns out that she was forced upon it 
by her parents saying, leave this girl behind, become friends with the daughters of the people that we work with because we want to have you up in the um, higher class. I mean, you're a blight. It, it kind of definitely gives me like Malfoy um, personas in which like, you know, you know how in like um, Draco Malfoy where he's like befriending all the people of Slytherin and everybody else is just garbage, especially with like uh, Harry and Ron. So it definitely just gave me those kind of vibes. But unlike, um, you know, most cases in which when, um, you know, they would, you know, Amity would like stay as the enemy or as the antagonist until like maybe later on in the series, she actually becomes like much more accepting of it, like much earlier than I, would, I was expecting. And that actually made her into a much more richer character. Uh, I, I'm glad that they were able to do it like much more quickly as opposed to like, uh, I mean, it took us about like maybe four or five seasons for Helga to reach that. And it took us about like two or three or four seasons for Marceline to reach that. So I'm glad that with Amity's case, it was able to not only become much quicker, but then she just becomes this <laughs> blushing mess every time she meets up with Luz. It's just so hilarious. And, um, you know, I'll, the, I'll tell a hilarious story after the, uh, the Willow episode. And that is that so Patricia had to kind of talk me down when I was like, uh, you know, when the whole parents thing came out, I was just like, I was basically say, you know, these people are worse than Big Bob and Miriam Pataki from Hey Arnold. Like, you know, how, how could you be so disgraceful? And like, she said, well, you know, I would say that, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Blight would at least gave them their lunch and fed them and, you know, actually been responsible parents. Well, so I think, you know, she got me to a point where it's kind of like, okay, we've got this uh, example of Big Bob and Miriam of like massive underparenting. And then we've got Mr. and Mrs. Blight, which is like massive overparenting. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but, uh, yeah, this show pulls at your strings. It really does. It does. <laughs> it really does. You know. The only apparent fundamental difference, though, between Harry Potter and uh, the Owl House is that there hasn't yet been a dance scene between Harry and Malfoy. So I want that to be corrected. Flash <laughs> <laughs> sure. pick exist. No, I, I, in terms of how quickly they they moved the uh, plot characterization for uh, Amity forward, though, I totally agree with you, actually, because I thought that that would be the worst thing that could happen with this show is that they just drag it out for the entire show maybe even do like star versus did where they create an entire harem for one of the characters rather than moving a relationship forward so so far this is going fantastically in my opinion I, I can just imagine the Owl House crew probably like saying, you know, like uh, looking at like all the other shows, like they haven't done this yet. They haven't done that yet. They've never done this. They've never done that. Let's put it all in this show and let's give them everyone they want, you know, like, uh, yeah. One of the best things about the show is it didn't, it didn't wait in the first season confirmed our lead as gay and bisexual. You get so many shows the creators say after the fact, oh yeah, she was bi, but we just couldn't say it on the show. Like apparently after a quest year, a quest year girls ended it, Sunset Shimmer was bisexual, but that was never mentioned in the in any of the movies. Yeah, I guess it is true that we have come very far with the representation of the LGBTQ community, especially over the past decade, where I remember like when we were kids, like back in the 90s, where, oh, uh, Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune, they're not a couple, they're cousins. <laughs> yeah, But they kept all the scenes in that were implicative anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's so much worse. Yeah, getting right. kind of awkward. <laughs> they're really close cousins. <laughs> yeah. Which, to be so fair, hard. at the time, America was more okay with. Yeah, but unfortunately, I mean, like, uh, this is going to be 
um, an ongoing fight I think we're going to have with various, you know, people, obviously, you know, where we saw, we mean, Patricia covered the story in, uh, of how Arthur had, uh, you know, an episode banned because obviously, you know, Mr. Radburn came out as gay and yeah. uh, there, there was that. And also we've got the situation with Russia, which is saying, giving letters over to Disney saying, don't put in LGBTQ characters into your shows or else we'll, you know, there'll be repercussions. Like, you know, probably send the KGB after them or, so, or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, unfortunately, this is going to be an ongoing thing, I think, for LD, there to be LGBTQ representation in media, I think. And so while we do have this now, I mean, it's something that, uh, you know, creators, producers, uh, studios themselves are going to have to really put up and fight for. Because, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, what they're having to do right now, hearing about, you know, what's going on in China, what's happening going on in uh, Russia and what's happening going on in places in Africa, I think uh, it's going to be an ongoing struggle, I think. And uh, I really hope that Disney and, uh, you know, all the creators of these shows are going to, you know, stay in their corner and fight and, uh, you know, realize that, you know, these people, you know, deserve representation because they do. Of course. Oh, I think generally we're seeing that move from uh, studios like Cartoon Network and uh, Disney Channel, where uh, the the executives are seeing that shows with these elements work. They're not setting the world on fire. Uh, so hopefully, as time goes on, it's just more and more of a regular thing rather than you know this huge great thing that's singular and never happens again. I want to say also the same thing for neurodivergent characters because I've seen my fair share of characters who are either considered autistic or OCD or any of the sort and they're pulled off to the extreme to the point in which they're insufferable. And I'm hoping that, you know, this would also be like a standard saying, hey, you know, there's characters of the of, of neurodivergency who are not really annoying or just like, you know, really awkward to the point in which like they can't be fun or they can't be lively or, um, you know, people treat them weird. It's like, oh, you know, I feel sorry for them. I don't know what to do with them or something like that. It's like, no, I mean, people who are neurodivergent can be able to be just as expressive as anybody else. And I'm hoping that this Thank would be a proper um, showcase that, hey, you know, somebody like Luce who is neurodivergent and yes, she could be a little bit awkward, but who isn't at the age of 14 and, um, you know, that she can be very lively and she can be very expressive. And also that you know, a lot of people can gravitate to her saying, oh, the reason why you're weird is because you're a human, not because, you know, you have some thing going on with you that you can't help. So I'm hoping that this will be the case as well. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Patricia. And I honestly hope this gets people thinking away from the stereotype of thinking as of neurodivergent people as Sheldon Cooper. Uh, yes. d- don't get me started. Anyway, but yeah, I, I think that um, with that out of the way, I, I think that we need to uh, discuss about uh, you know, I guess now we can go over <laughs> our, our theories for season two because, oh man, like we already know what the first five episodes are going to be about. And we already know about uh, what the synopsis are. And we know that Dana Terrace had mentioned that season two is going to be leading to the direction that she wanted to in the beginning. And I think that this will be very interesting to cover because 
man, when I was hearing about the plot synopsis about what the show was going to be about, it's like, okay, okay, this is where things are going to be really interesting. So uh, if you guys don't want to be spoiled with it, then, you know, you can stop this portion and then we'll just go over to like the conclusion. But I, I really want to go over like what um, this, the next uh, five episodes are going to be presenting. So they are separate tides, escaping expulsion, echoes of the past, keeping up a fear and and through the looking glass ruins and um man the, the synopsis of this is really interesting i mean we have Luz feeling guilty about what happened to ida and she decides that she's going to go over to this location to get a bounty we have an episode focusing on amity's parents and getting uh loose um, Gus and Willow expelled from Hexide. We have an episode with Lilith, Luce, and Hootie going over to this island to find out more about King's Pass. We have an episode with Gus trying to uh, impress some kids from another school, but then we have another side plot where uh, Luce and Amity are going over to the library. So yeah, there's a lot of things that are going on, and this just makes me really excited about um, you know what the show is going to be doing for this next season. Yeah, let's get the elephants out of the out of the in the room out of the way first. Um, so there's the one where how many parents are going to get uh, some of our most beloved characters expelled from the school? I'm sure a lot of fans were basically saying, "Please hand me my clear raincoat, my copy of Huey Lewis in the News, and an axe." And uh, <laughs> I, th I think. Uh, yeah, there was definitely some uh, pretty uh, interesting exchanges, I think, on the Reddit when uh, these uh, synopsises came out. But, you know, here's the thing about this. I mean, and it's rich of me and rich of Patricia and everybody else who's been through the grinder of this, like, you know, of uh, cartoon shows where they throw in this uh, spanner into the works and then all of a sudden the, you know, the protagonists are got to figure out how to get out of the situation. We've been through this so many times before. You know, uh, Ang being killed, um, you know, things shenanigans that happened in dragon ball z uh you know various other things you know lino losing his sword and you know when samurai jack losing his sword too you know in uh, in, the, in the in the last season the adult swim so right. we we've you know we've been through a lot i'll say like we're desensitized to this kind of thing so in regards to them being expelled from the school i mean keep this in mind like if you looked at like the intro that came in there i mean they weren't drawing spell circles with their hands anymore it looks like to me like they've their magic's going to get a serious upgrade in this episode I think, you know, like, uh, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger at the end of the day. So I think whatever this dangerous deal that they're going to make with Amity's parents, I think is uh, really going to backfire on them, I think. And uh, we're going to see our characters basically looking like they can probably take on the world, I think, uh, I think at this point. So I'm somewhat, you know, excited for this effort. Don't get me wrong. They can, they can seriously fuck it up. I'm not saying that they can't, but, you know, uh, in regards to my experiences where, like, you know, episodes like this where they really want to put people in jeopardy, usually the uh, protagonists usually end up looking, coming out smelling like fresh roses yeah. out of all of this. And uh, one thing also to, uh, to add on top of that, I think we're going to see in this episode Amity completely turn on her parents and say, look, you know, I don't want to be ruled like this anymore. I do not want my hair color like this anymore. I do not want to, you know, be part of this whole blight, you know, uh, infrastructure that you've built around me, which you're strangling me with. And by the way, please stop uh, trying to hook me up with the, the boy down the road uh, with the rich parents. <laughs> FYI, I'm gay! <laughs> it got hey, in terms of uh, her parents, I'm, I, I really hope it goes that way. But I feel like they're setting us up 
for a moment for where for whatever reason uh amity has to betray loose and i feel like that's just gonna be the heart yank moment for the mm. fans as opposed to the big power moment that we might be hoping for i yeah. don't know it's uh I, I want the big power moment and i i think we're gonna get the big power moment i just don't think we're gonna get that before we get our hearts yanked out and i and i wouldn't be shocked if we do see amity's natural hair color this season and it's a wild theory but in the season one intro she was in her school uniform in the season two she's in her everyday clothes and that's showing her being more natural and more herself mm -hmm. yeah very true um, I, I also want to ask um, for you, Rebecca, because you analyze each of the episodes. I, I guess I forgot to mention this, but every uh, first letter of all the titles spell out um, a, a, a phrase that is going to be crucial to each season. I forgot to mention that. So why don't you go over that really quick? Yeah, so there, there's two different like types of codes that are uh, in this series. So one's like an episode title code, where if you take the first letter of each episode, it spells out a message relating to that season uh, and then there's like another one where in each episode there's like an eye symbol with another set of symbols that you actually have to go through and decode and then that's another message that pertains to the series uh so i think for season one it was uh, a witch loses a true way for season yes. one and then at this mm -hmm. point now with season two now it's seek and then a word starting with t so a lot of people are thinking it's gonna be like seek the truth or something like that and then whatever's after that you know we'll have to wait for more episode titles to come out um but yeah the the codes and the messages are, are such a fun aspect of of this show to really you know kind of like sink your teeth into and just to you know go through decipher things you know think about how it's going to apply to the series how to you know how it's going to apply okay. to the season uh it's it's a lot of fun mm -hmm. yeah like hey guys i gotta go i'm sorry Oh, okay. okay. Well, thank you so much, Jim. Uh, why don't you uh, quickly plug and promote your stuff right before you go? Well, okay. As Patricia said, I have a blog called A Look at Disney, and right now I'm currently going through and looking at every LGBTQ plus Disney character, some better than others. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. Well, thank you for, so much for coming on by, Tim. It's the I best Disney blog on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So um, anyway, what, what, sorry, what were we up to again? Um, yeah, uh, the, the, the coding, yes. Oh yeah, so I mean, yeah, what other show does this? Gravity Falls. You know, well, okay, yeah. Gravity Falls. Well, well yeah, but Gravity Falls. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, like this is such unique. You know, I, I really like how they sneak secret things into all of this as well. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love the, um, the, the Easter eggs they add into there as well. Like, you know, finally there's a, uh, you know, a Metal Gear Solid reference and uh, mm. there's quite a few of them in the show as well. And the fact Re that Remember when we saw the Final Fantasy sword? Oh yeah, we saw Final, <laughs> yeah, we saw Cloud Sword as well and uh, things like that. Like, uh, I don't know, like, are they trying to like, uh, kind of prod Nintendo to get loose into like the next Smash Brothers game? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, that, that'd be something. But uh, yeah, I just, uh, I love the fact that they are aware of like other things in uh, in the world and they end up in the in the Owl House. And actually, they even explain that as well. Like uh, a lot of the things apparently that, you know, get inspired on Earth apparently do come from this Boiling Isles place. And uh, that just gives you even more intrigue about what is this place, you know, again, what's this place about? Like, this Titan that died, that, that fell over and then created this isle, like, what was, what the whole backstory about what was that? You know, and uh, that's the one thing we didn't actually bring up, I think, in season one, is that that's the Bat Queen. Like, uh, I'm getting yes. the feeling that she was yes. the, uh, of the Titan, you know, related in, in some way. 
and uh yeah she's gonna like be some kind of part of like you know the solution in some way about figuring out the secret of like what this this whole place is about you know like uh it's like i, I really don't want to be left with the fact that you know just uh that this is just basically Florida with some animation on it, you know. Like, <laughs> I, I, want, I want, you know, let's uh, let, let's brush this out, you know. Like, uh, let's do something with it, you know. <laughs> I actually think a large portion of what season two is going to be about is uh is going into the boiling Isles backstory and learning more about it. A big, you know, revealing moment in the first season was the lack of magic completely in the human world when Luz briefly was sent back there, and uh, it's. It the Boiling Isles is referred to as what gives the gift of magic, and I think we're gonna learn a little bit more about why that is. This giant, this, and everything to go with it in season two. I'm actually kind of hoping that the uh, title uh, for the season two episodes turns out to be like "Seek the Source" or something like that for where the magic comes from. That would be great. Maybe it's the drafts. That's why they had to get rid of them. Awesome. There was so much. Uh mythology teasing in like the last few episodes and i remember after seeing um the at the end of the first season i went online i was like what's up with the titan and i was finding not a I, there was not a ton of stuff at the time and i was surprised because it seemed like that's a really big thing a really big um plot point that we're gonna see answered uh that's one shot hey, when sorry about that false alarm <laughs> okay <laughs> okay he's fine. don't get to plug yourself again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lots of other things at the end of the show. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, go ahead, Paul. We're sorry. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that one shot at the end, well, in the last episode or second to last, where you see the heart of the Titan, uh, that grotesque, horrifying, beating heart, and you're like, wait. Or maybe it's not of the Titan, but I'm I'm speculating here. It's like something's going on here. Something's weird with this land. And we're not looking, uh, like, the the characters aren't acknowledging it just yet. but I'm a sucker for that sort of like mythology. Seeing that, I kind of yeah. reminded me like uh, the uh, you know in Halo Combat Evolve when uh, they uh, try and rescue uh, um, uh, the, uh, the 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 captain, and uh, he's turned into like this big massive like you know flood thing. Like it kind of remind me of that really. Hmm. But uh, you know, I really love them to do, and they won't do it because of it's <laughs> Disney. But uh, I like them to like uh, move. They, they have to move the Owl House to like another location to like protect it. So they move it like between the legs of the Titan, and they basically say, "Well, you know, Emperor Balas may have the heart of the Titan, but we have it by the balls." <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Owls moving castle, the Disney version. <laughs> no. We're reliving the Baba Yaga. Welcome aboard to Russian mythology. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's just the thing is that it really brings up a lot of these interesting theories as to where the show is going to be going. And I think that we'll definitely be learning more about that in uh, this coming season. And we already know, according to Dana Terrace, that it's only going to be three seasons. And then the third season, each episode is going to be like 45 minutes long. So technically it'll be six. But I have an interesting theory that maybe that all the stuff that's going on with like Emperor Bellas and all that kind of stuff, I think that it'll conclude in season two and then maybe season three will kind of be like, maybe kind of like an epilogue, maybe where she, Lewis finally goes back into the human world and then maybe something happens in the Boiling Isles where she has to go back later on because before the Owl House was created, uh, Dana Terrace was showing off like uh, art designs of what the characters would look like and they look completely different. They're a lot older, first of all, and they look more edgy. So 
and and apparently according to like you know various people from reddit and from other um sites such as instagram and tumblr where they really like the designs of this character so i wouldn't be surprised at some point that maybe you know dana terrace will incorporate maybe something of that sort you know i also want to know like uh, you know this um this this guy in the mask that uh, emperor ballas is uh, ordering around like who who is this guy and uh, I mean, one thing I would like them to do, and uh, but obviously doing this, he's going to become the most despised character in the entire show, is that he secretly goes to Hexide and he basically flirts with Luz. And basically Amity is not best pleased. And uh, you all imagine. And then we get to the point where, I'll tell you what, actually, let, 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 let's go in this direction. Let's say uh, Michael's theory is, you know, like uh, Luz is going to betray the guys, even though they come out of it unscathed. And then obviously Luz and Amity part ways after that and you know obviously you know everyone starts crying but then we get to the episode where they're forced to go through the dangerous part of the library and they have to rekindle but then then obviously uh they find out that the guy in the mask is actually the guy in the school flooding with the blues is actually spying on them you know for emperor ballos they find out about that and amity just kicks the crap out of him and we all just <laughs> go very happy you know when that happens you know, like, uh, it just, it's, uh, you know, that's one direction that could go in with this character, I think. Will they do it? I don't know. But, uh, and then there was, um, there was another thing as well, which, uh, I mean, obviously the Emperor Ballas himself, we need to figure out what the hell is going on there, you know. He's yeah. been hootie this whole time. <laughs> I was going to say, we haven't it's talked about hootie. Hootie is the question mark in this whole <laughs> Hootie is the key. He's far and away the most powerful character. <laughs> oh, actually, hang on a second, that, that thought just came back. Sorry. So, um, a fan sent me an uh, like an anim I saw an animatic. It's but it's this fan fiction, total fan fiction. I'm not saying it's uh, it's just an animatic. Which, by the way, but, you know, shout out to the Owl House fans, by the way, and their fan and their fan art, their fan fictions, and their animatics. They are mm. phenomenal. I'm like the you know, they're, they're, too. Yeah. Exactly. Like uh, I've n I've not seen great stuff like this since the Hey Arnold fandom. I have to say it's uh, it's it's phenomenal uh, what we've seen. Uh, but someone uh, uh, someone suggested me an animatic, and it shows um, Luz defending her mother in yes. the fight against Balos, and then all of a sudden her mother gets up and walks towards Balos, and then throws the the Good Witch Azura book to the side. And then um, Gus and Willow rip open the, uh, the, the, the the hardcover and discover something in the book. And then they try to furiously hold Luz back to say, no, don't go save your mother. There's something you don't know about her. And then you just see this whole transformation taking place. And then they say, look, the reason why we're trying to stop you and tell you this. And then Luz comes to the realization, my <laughs> mother is good, rich Azula. And then oh this whole thing, yeah, there's an animatic about so that. that. Would be so that would be incredible. I don't, I don't know, like uh, whether it will make any sense or not. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I mean, it's just, I just, I just saw that and I thought, you know, the fans, you know, they're switched on, they're tuned in, and they know what they want to see, and uh, they're they're paying attention as well. And like uh, some of the stuff that I've read and some of the stuff that they've done, wow, you know, like uh, they know what's up. Yeah. Speaking of Luz's mom, uh. One thing we haven't brought up is the letters that she's been getting, mm. which a lot of people think is Ida. I don't I think know if I buy it. No, I don't think it is. No, yeah. I don't think so. 
I don't I, really see. I don't know. I don't get the point of it being Ida and them having this big ominous, you know, who's well, doing this. Now, now we no longer have the we no longer have the door to the Earth realm. So maybe the letters are gonna stop. And maybe in season two, maybe it's like a segue. Uh, her mother finds out she's not at the camp, and then there's like this whole ruckus that's going on on Earth realm, like figure out, you know, where's this girl gone? You know, like it's all over the news, like the whole country's freaking out, like where's she gone? And maybe that's all taking place while season two is taking place. Maybe that's also a possibility, too. Mm-hmm. And, season two uh, takes yeah. place entirely at the reality camp that she was supposed to go to. <laughs> <laughs> like, who knows? Like, also, this camp reality thing, you know, for all we know, like uh, it could be a trap. I mean, like uh, in Hey Arnold the Jungle movie, the uh, the writing contest to get Arnold over Hassan Lorenzo was a trap. Maybe that might have been a trap that she should, she should probably have like, fallen into, and she didn't. And like uh, maybe that in itself might be a story. Mm. So, you know, like know. Uh, who knows? There, there, there's that too. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know there, there's so much going on in my mind right now. There's so much stuff that we could just, uh, you know, go through in yeah. all of this. But, uh, you know, like, here's the thing about this one thing I do want to say about season three that you know keep this in mind like this isn't set in stone yet like this you know season two hasn't even isn't just come out yet so we don't know what the uh response is going to be from the fans like uh right now there's a whole letter writing operation currently going on with uh the Owl House fans at the moment they're 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 screeching that they want more episodes of the show and by the way you know from what i've seen so far like i believe this show could go on for 100 episodes I really do. And uh, don't, don't get me wrong, though. I do. I don't want this to be like, you know, oh, hey, this can go on forever. And like, there's going to be like 30 seasons and stuff like that. I, eventually, it's got to stop somewhere. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I don't want it to be like this thing where Disney just want to keep it alive because, you know, they want to keep the merchandise going. I, I'd really hate it if it turned into that kind of situation. But um, I really do believe that, you know, there's an epic story here in the Owl House and definitely a story that I've not been inspired by for a very long time, mm-hmm. I don't think. And so... Um, I believe that Disney should keep this going, if at least you know uh, for you know the, the the classic 100 episodes that we normally get with a, a pretty good show. If it keeps going on for that, but yes, there'll be weak episodes. They always are, but you know I, th- I do believe the good will outweigh the bad in the end of the day, and uh, I really do think they should go for it. And so you know, the Owl House fans, you know, if they're going to be writing these letters, I really hope they come through and uh, Disney will turn around and say, yeah, maybe the season three thing isn't a good idea. Let's go see. Let's go like 20 again on season three and let's just see where we are maybe when i talk about season four yeah i tend to have a respect for when they do have a plan like this because i i am one of those people that worries oh is this gonna go on forever what it feels like they started out strong but oh no it's season 12 Mm. and yeah nowhere yeah as much as i love it friendship is magic did not need to be nine seasons Mm. yeah I agree with that. How about you, Rebecca? I mean, the other thing about Disney shows is that recently, like, they usually don't go past three seasons. I don't know why this is. Like, Star Versus was kind of like the exception with a season four. But in recent years, they don't usually don't go past three seasons. Um, But from what Dana said on Twitter, it seems that, uh, you know, the season essentially getting condensed down to just three 44-minute episodes, like, came out of nowhere and they weren't expecting it. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know why they made that decision. You know, I'm, I'm glad that we're going to get an ending because that's, I think, a lot more than can be said for a lot of shows that get canceled early. 
but you know i mean if it ends up sticking with these three forty-four minute episodes like it's gonna be so bittersweet because it's like man there could have been more they could have gotten to you know elaborate on so many other things um but yeah but i mean i i know that the fandom is is you know upset about it and you know i'm hoping that disney's listening to you know the the cry for for more episodes uh because i i think that owl house is probably one of the like their best shows in recent years um and and i think it'd kind of just be just a complete drop of the ball on disney's end to to cut their third season short so was it disney's decision to end it at three seasons yeah i'm not entirely sure it seemed that at least for season three that it getting cut was unexpected by dana and the crew on their end i'm not sure if it was just like you're done at season three or if season three was the intended season and it just got condensed uh i'm not entirely sure about that but just like with recent disney shows i wouldn't be surprised if it was just kind of like that that's where they were heading from the beginning and then they just cut it short i'm just hoping they have time to make those three episodes if that is all they can do make them as good as possible for Mm -hmm. the ending they want it's kind of weird that they're asking for these, you know, these episodes. Like, you know, why not just make TV movies if that's if that's going to be the case, and just you know say, oh hey, just we'll give you these two TV movies, wrap everything up in these uh, in these two movies, and then you know, obviously, you know, good night, God bless. You know, it's kind of weird that they said, okay, let's do forty-four minute episodes. It kind of, I get a bit, yeah, as a Hey Arnold fan, I do get a bit of a bad vibe from this because obviously when Craig Bartlett was told that, like, oh, well, we'll give you some specials just to hold you over, and uh, so we're going to give you uh, the April Fool's Day episodes, and then we're going to give you the journal episode. And you know, you know what? I will be, I tell you, I will say, and I will be very angry at Disney if they did this. You know, and I'll be feel so bad for the Owl House fans if this happens to be like if the very last TV movie we have like uh, you know Lou saying you know uh, you know Eda King you've got to see this I found a map <laughs> to get himself back to the Earth realm we go for that and that's the end Spider Man no, the uh, animated I, series I, ending yeah <laughs> I, I will be I will be I feel so bad for him because I've been there it's horrible we spent years trying to get that jungle movie made. I spent years trying to help Craig Barla get back into the Nickelodeon fold. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was, uh, you know, what should have happened in 20, in 2000, in 2004 happened in 2017. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say. Yeah. My biggest concern is with them only getting those three forty-five minute specials is they don't do what they did to Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure, a show that deserved better treatment from the channel, where they constantly changed what time of day it's airing. Uh, I hate when networks do this where they have conflicting and inconsistent time schedules. I mean, a lot of shows get canceled because of that, because they don't know when it's going to air. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a Tron uprising is a great example in which like it used to air around Friday nights. Then they moved it over to Mondays around midnight. And then nobody was able to watch it because they didn't know what time it was going to be airing or they could do the legend of Korra route in which like, we're going to have the episodes released exclusively on Nick.com or, you know, the, and we're not going to air the episodes until months later. It's like, yeah, people are not going to know about this. And I think with the advent of streaming services and Aaron and I, we discussed about this where, um, you know, a lot of these, um, you know, uh, countries are going to not have Disney Channel or Disney Now or any of these uh, major channels anymore. And they're going to be like really strictly um, focusing on Disney Plus. 
So I guess maybe, you know, for people saying like, hey, you know, you want to watch, um, you know, this show is going to be exclusively there and it's not going to air anywhere else. So, you know, it's going to be probably it's going to be troublesome for a lot of people. That's it's weird. I've noticed... I got canceled like six times because of the time slots moving. So yeah. it's something that happens even with really popular good I, shows. I, I really don't understand Disney's, you know, thinking in this because, uh, well, you know, what makes you think that uh, people are going to want to patiently wait for, you know, the Owl House to become available on Disney Plus? in international countries they're going to find ways to get to get through it like uh, you know um they're going, to, they're going to be like bugging their like american relatives to get like direct tv logins to like you know get and they'll get like vpns to like you know oh they'll go through pirating you know like it's just it's a they are going to want to know what's going on and they're not going to want to wait and so you know disney i think are making a mistake uh saying oh hey we're gonna what you know just release it on disney channel in america first and then once we go through all like the entire season then we'll just release on disney plus you know a couple of weeks later you know I like Oh, I was just gonna say, I think there's a there's a weird disconnect with executives at, at animated studios nowadays. I know this is obviously not Disney, but Cartoon Network, what I'll be frank, was just incompetent with how it handled like Steven Universe and Adventure Time. Um, that was another show that aired on Mondays and then later Thursdays, and then they just, uh, Adventure Time that is, and then they just started throwing it around and then the ratings tanked and they were like, oh, well, I guess we got to end it. And uh, it was entirely because of, I believe it was entirely because of that just sort of incompetent handling of the schedule um, that led to a lot of that. I feel like I worry that Disney could be doing the same thing. And I feel like they did that with Gravity Falls too, where they just would, we're going to drop an episode and then four months later, here's a new one. You know, I don't, that is just not a way to keep an audience engaged. Yeah, there's also another aspect of this as well, just going back to the Owl House. And that is that, uh, you know, um, I, me and Patricia have been very familiar with like the politics that go on backstage at all these, uh, you know, these, these companies and, uh, you know, people wanting their spot and like, you know, saying people, you know, need to move away and you shouldn't say this and you shouldn't say that on social media and stuff like that and we know that dana is very outspoken on social media and very outspoken in her streams and you know she, she did an entire stream to like you know uh, get donald trump out of the white house you know for crying out loud so like uh, you know it was uh, she's not afraid to uh, you know um you know throw her punches when when need be and uh, you know rightly so you know, like well, my, my big, my big. I mean, it's rich for me as like you know a ranting, raving talk radio host to turn around and say, yeah, people should be more outspoken about stuff. Of course, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna say that. You know, I'm in that group of people who do that. But I really, you know, unfortunately, you know, with that, you know, and with being Dana being involved in this large corporation, obviously, you know, I, I could probably imagine a few people at Disney aren't gonna like the way that she carries herself. I think in public, and uh, I think they're gonna take issue with that. And they maybe that also might have also played a part in the fact that you know the reason why season three got so rapidly cut short because they just want to like say okay we're done here let's move on to somebody who isn't going to cause us you know too much ruckus you know that's yeah, saying- because these behaviors are exactly what's made her my favorite creator at any of these companies in recent times yeah uh, these companies get rid of these people they're idiots you know they're going to go be successful somebody somewhere else you know who are going to be willing to do like you know uh what should we call it uh there's been people who like just set up independently and like uh, they've been really massively successful you the know, thing like, that uh, stinks just... about that is that that they'll they'll be so obsessive about like don't say this don't do that don't don't say this no we can't do that you know we can't do this and then when an episode drops that of like, for instance, you know, has LGBTQ plus representation. They're like, see, uh-huh. we're a good network. We, uh, we, <laughs> we understand. And it's like, oh, so you're taking credit. I mean, you, they're just taking credit for what works and then trying to micromanage everything else. And it's just a, 
just a mess. It's almost yeah. June. Get ready for that in full force from every company. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're an equal opportunity as employer. Like, please ignore the fact that uh, we still have, uh, you know, uh, the Snow White uh, actress, you know, under a severe contract where she can't work for anyone ever again, even though she's dead. You know, like, Happy uh, rainbow just, capitalism, everybody. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's just uh, yeah. So Rebecca, uh, going into the interviews that you did with uh, Dana and Matt, especially with um how the treatment was with um you know how the seasons was going on for the Owl House. I mean, we we already know about just how un- incredibly unfortunate that season two finale of Amphibia was leaked before it was properly released, and then oh. with the the strict uh, guidelines that Disney did with the Owl House before they like loosened it up. Like, uh, how would you say that you? You know when you were talking to them like how they personally were feeling with all the restrictions right before they were like led up to saying okay we have to play by this set of rules but at the same time i want to be able to express the way i want to be able to create my properties i mean the interview that i did with uh man dana was before the whole true colors thing and like man if, if the timing on that had been different i don't know if matt would have agreed to do that interview or not just with that whole situation uh because i know he and the crew were really excited for that episode to come out and now that it is out like you can see why because it was easily the best episode of the series so far uh-huh. um but i mean in, in talking to them i mean dana has always been outspoken about her thoughts on working for disney and within the company um i mean like we were talking before she was getting you know notes from executives like six different executives up until like understanding willow um with, like in terms of like the lgbt stuff uh it was an issue more so in development uh and then that was pretty quickly resolved and then ever since then she said that any issues or notes that they get is never because the character or there's a plot thread that's related to you know an lgbtq you know related character or anything like that which is good and reassuring to to know because i think disney especially has been kind of just like dead last when it comes to like animation studios you know representing uh you know that particular community so i mean and that's kind of the thing with disney it's like i felt like we went from nothing to just like very explicit characters like really quickly um there was like no easing in or just like oh like here's this side character or like oh here's like you know you know a potential maybe a plot thread with you know an lgbtq romance or anything like that it was just very explicit very quickly which is i think is great and wonderful um i mean matt up until the true colors thing he didn't seem to have any major issues that he spoke of with people at disney um i know after the whole true colors thing he was very vocal on twitter about people you know not watching it keeping spoilers you know under lock and key and everything like that um and then I think, you know, it's interesting on Twitter because, you know, you do still work for a company, even though it's, you know, their personal Twitter and they can, you know, voice their opinions. But I do understand how it can kind of, you know, be a, a bit of a slippery slope. Uh, I know that he was not happy with the way it was handled. Uh, you know, Disney, after polling the episode less than 24 hours before it was supposed to air, and then it leaking at midnight and then delaying it for three weeks, you know, that that was poorly handled. I mean, there's no way to, you know, <laughs> you know, go about it it's, otherwise. It's embarrassing. That. The whole yeah. true color situation is just it really showcases that this whole operation at these companies is a lot more day to day than we'd probably like to think. It, it feels right to assume this hundred year old corporation would have a plan in place. Nope, they just 
all these last minute mistakes that completely throw everything to the wayside is really concerning for you know, shows like the owl house I and used uh, amphibia to, yeah i mean i used to have this like uh, you know uh goal i mean i'm 35 years old and i like to think i'm not as gullible as i used to be when i was back in my younger younger days but uh you know uh, i used to think oh well they're a massive corporation how can they do anything wrong um i invite everybody to watch uh, a show called dark side of the ring and watch the episode the final days of owen hart and I can guarantee you that, you know, you can be as big as a corporation as you want. There's going to be incompetence at the very highest points. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, uh, unfortunately, you know, we can't, just because it's a massive corporation doesn't mean they don't make terrible mistakes. And believe me, the, the amphibia trabacle, I think, that uh, took place is, uh, I think, just un unforgivable. I think it's just, you know, heads uh, should have rolled at that, at that particular time, I think. you know, I can in, barely in wrap my head around what happened. It was so stupid. It was. And you ha and you do bring up an interesting point, Rebecca, when you were saying about like Disney being dead last when it comes to their LGBTQ representations, because every time there's a new character, they always announce Disney introduces first LGBTQ character. It's like out of what a dozen the last five, you know, that they always, you know, yeah, they, exactly. Like what happened to what? Gaston? What happened to the character from Onward, the character from Frozen? Did you forget about them? Or, or were they like, <laughs> like testing the waters but then it's like no this is the real first introduction <laughs> one interesting thing i'd like to throw in here and that uh, i wonder if what happened with dana in regards to lgbtq came in at a very interesting time for disney because uh was the, when was the whole milan uh you know outrage that took place you know when they found out that uh you know uh some of the shots of milan were taking place in like you know the same place that they're you know allegedly torturing those Uyghur muslims in that part of the world in Xinjiang province you know was that, that taking was, place at the same time that was all going on I think that was I think that was 2019 when the movie what? was filming still you know kind of nearby but uh, I remember they got you know Disney got a lot of heat over that I believe and to the point where it was almost going to be turning into like a congressional investigation at one point so I was wondering if uh, that probably they said yeah let's uh, let's lighten up on control a little bit here and let's try and distract everybody with uh, you know the fact that hey we're going to be a bit more open about this kind you know for certain things become a bit more socially liberal you know in comparison to well you know uh, china which is uh, you know very socially conservative yeah. in some in some aspects i don't know I wonder if it was kind of like just a, a reaction to that but that's just a theory i, I don't know that for I don't know that either, Obviously, but all I know is, is that you, um, you know, the other networks are definitely like stepping up their game when it comes to like proper representation. I mean, we already talked about Cartoon Network. Nickelodeon is doing the same thing with like Koran Asami and with the Loud, the Loud House. Yeah, the Loud House is also another one. So yeah, they are. And uh, just recently, Blues Clues and You just released a uh, Pride Month music video featuring uh, Nina West, who is a very well-known drag queen. And it was like a Pride Parade that was featured there. And there was a lot of people posting on social media saying, you know, I, uh, you know, I grew up with Blues Clues as a kid, and I wish that I should have seen this 25 years ago, which, you know, that's, you know, pretty awesome to see that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I mean, Disney needs to like, you know, if they really need to step up their game, if they want to like, you know, really target this uh, particular demographic for sure, because, you know, all the other, you know, uh, networks are really like luring them into that. So, uh, I think that with the, the Owl House, I think that that is definitely like a major step towards like uh, a proper representation because of how hugely popular Loose and Amity are. I mean, they're right up there with like Marceline and Bubblegum and Catra and Adora and Korin Asami in terms of like characters that they really like to see together. 
Who knew that, uh, you know, we were finally going to see the day where, you know, uh, cartoons were going to finally stick it to, uh, quote unquote, one million moms. You know, oh. like, uh, I, I, I'm so I'm so happy at this point. I'm I still really upset am. that one million moms, uh, especially right here around Alabama, where I'm at, were one of the reasons why we never got to see the uh, Arthur episode with Mr. Rapper and why we never got to see that on television. And I had to watch it online on the Arthur website. Yeah. So one it's just million uh, moms, more people yeah. with a Planet Fitness subscription. <laughs> one of the best things about the loose and amity relationship especially in terms of disney is it's moving away from something that's always been problematic with disney is that so many other villains are gay coded Hmm. Hmm. yeah that's that's a good point Whereas now we get main characters that are gay coded. This is still an issue in modern day. Like, I don't know if any of you guys have seen Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. I have not. No. Well, a slight spoilers Rapunzel's best friend, Cassandra, becomes a villain in season three. And one of the writers confirmed she is gay coded as well. Okay, cool. Well, you know, like, uh, hey, we've, um, you know, out of all the ships that we've seen sail, like, uh, I think the Lumity one, I think, is probably the most uh, the most wonderful to see. So, uh, you know, like, it's, it's even goes to the point where, like, you know, like, uh, fan fiction just goes into overdrive. Like, you know, like, uh, there's weddings, there's, like, you know, there's them, you know. So, you I, know, I remember uh, that one joke that Luz Batista did on the on one of the live streams where she was drawing um, Ida, like, uh, I, I, I think it was, like, Sephiroth or something. And then she was, like you know, pretending to give spoilers of the show. And then, uh, you know, it was like when uh, Dana and Spencer were taking a break and then they, you know, they came back and there was like, oh, I hope you didn't give any spoilers. And then she's like, oh, I just gave one. And they live happily ever after, after the big wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have well, you guys have you guys seen the web comic of the Blight family where Emra says she likes girls and Mr. Blight does it ask, does anyone in this house like boys? And then Edric sticks the says, I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did see that one. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's brilliant. But, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I do, you know, I, I think this uh, this whole relationship between Luz and Amity, I think it's going to be something special. Oh, I yeah. really do think it is. And, uh, you know, I think uh, it's also, you know, giving people a lot of imagination to uh, stuff as well. So, like, uh, it's, uh, mind you, I'm really, I doubt I that we'll ever get this scene, but uh, um, imagine they decide to do, you know, obviously, you know, tie, tie the knot, you know, in pagan, literal pagan sense, but uh, <laughs> then they have to, like, have, like, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Blight on one side of the room and then Luz's mom and, like, on the other side of the room. It's kind of like, yeah, <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's... Uh, the awkwardness in the room is just uh we're, we're just the, the comedy just writes itself it kind of right. reminds me of that rocco's modern life episode where philbert and dr hutchison got married and in the show it's been established that toad uh, that turtles and cats are enemies and there's like this big awkwardness <laughs> where they're like together and they're just so angry of being on the side of each other so they were like yeah let's just have a drive-through wedding instead so that we don't have to deal with the complications of the families yeah it's like uh you got to, you got Lou trying to get to his mom, and he's like, uh, "Mom, why did you bring a scalpel from work?" It's like, you know, just protecting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, so, go ahead. That's so funny because on DeviantArt, I've seen people imagine what Lou and Amity's kid would look like too. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, I think that uh, that's pretty much all that we have to say for now. Um, right before we, you know, give our final thoughts uh, for those who are uh, tuning in um, as of the recording of this podcast. I know that the first two episodes will be uh, presented at the Paley Center for those who have purchased tickets. I just want to say for those who have seen it, please don't post spoilers online. Nobody likes that. And well, I, I, I just. I think uh, for me, I think it's just going to be like you know, uh, this is this is what I hate about this. Like, uh, the, you know, eventually it's going to come out. You know, also there's going to be that virtual screening as well. People are not going to help themselves. They're going to be telling people what's going on. And uh, you know, for me, like spoilers for me aren't such a big deal in a sense. Like, I will hear about something that happens. I mean, the same thing happened with Amphibia with this whole True Colors, you know, debacle. Like, uh, you know, all of a sudden you like you, again, like I said at the beginning of this episode, you hear a smash and it's kind of like, oh, you go outside and you see what's good what's happening you say oh okay then like uh, then you end up kind of like saying well i want the context of this and then you actually end up watching the show right so like uh, i guess spoilers for me aren't going to be too bad i would probably still watch the show regardless and just see okay is it executed well and like if it is then great and if not then i'll complain about it but you know that's okay that's, that's fair enough but that for... being said the people who are going to spoil it are going to spoil it no matter what we say so be on yeah. the lookout until you've seen the episodes if you do care about spoilers fair enough yeah i i do know that there is a subreddit that's going to be called the secret is or a book club that will be specifically to discuss those episodes so if you're someone who's like really just itching to discuss that's a place that you can do it without having to worry about spoiling others so go over there if you want to but yeah just like twitter tumblr anything like that instagram youtube just just don't say anything don't ruin it for others just because you want to get spoiled and doesn't mean that others do so just be courteous and respectful to yeah, yeah this, this, this is the reason why you can see behind me with all these guys. This is the reason why I'm a soccer fan. Like, uh, soccer is live and you can't get spoiled about what's going to happen at the end. So it's like, uh, <laughs> like the drama's there on the field. Yeah. You know? There you go. Anyway, so yeah, uh, final thoughts uh, going into, um, you know, where season one presented itself and uh, how do you think that the show, um, you know, does overall with, um, you knowing that season two is going to be airing this Saturday? Um, do you want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, go okay. So um, I think season two obviously is going to be a much darker tone than what we're used to, I think, in uh, in season one, definitely so. I mean, um, it's, we're looking at probably like a, a TMNT Red Sky situation, I think, at this point, like, you know, where the action is just going to be turned up to the max. We're going to uh, obviously, I mean, here's the thing about this. I really hope they do keep some of like the fun of the show. You know, in this, like, I still want King to, like, be King, and I still want, you know, there to be, like, you know, uh, poking fun at, like, you know, fantasy tropes and things like that. I would like to still, still see stuff like that, but uh, obviously, you know, the uh, the main part of this is going to obviously be the storytelling, and uh, that's going to be the main part of that. Uh, there's going to be twists and turns in the Lumidy uh, ship. There's going to be um, all sorts of, like, uh, you know, friendships being tested. I think in this as well, and uh, obviously uh, we're going to be tested with various other, uh, you know, new characters coming in too, and so, and also I think um, we might get some questions answered that, uh, you know, we had so itchingly wanted to have answered in season one. Uh, will it be all of them? Probably not, but uh, I like to think it's going to be a significant amount of them. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And final thoughts on season one? Uh, my thought, thoughts on season one? Um, you know, even when Disney had their fingers in the pie, you know, like, uh, I still thought, hey, you know, they're still pulling off something really good here. You know, I thought the first, first episode was a great, great impression 
I think that they left on people, I thought. And uh, then they just kind of like just carried it on. And, uh, you know, finally, you know, Disney allowed, you know, to, to take the toy training wheels off and they just let, you know, uh, Dana go off and, uh, you know, go 100 miles an hour on the bicycle and just, uh, you know, uh, go do, do all the great things. And uh, on top of that, we got some great episodes out of it. We got a great show. We got a great setup. And uh, yeah, I think it leaves a lot of people looking forward to season two and uh, even season three, even though it's not going to be the thing that they expect. But, but you know, uh, we don't know that for a fact yet. You know, let's get to the end of season two and then let's see where we are with the uh, the fans demanding more Owl House. Mm-hmm. Okay, so season one is great. I honestly think Disney Channel is in a renaissance of animated TV shows right now. And it's the outhouse. It goes back, back and forth between this and Kim Possible as my favorite animated Disney show of all time. Mm-hmm. And I think what makes the outhouse work is the fantasy setting doesn't take itself too seriously while still presenting an interesting mystery for our characters of who Bellows is. But the most important thing is it has strong relationships for all the characters and as for season two i don't know where it's going to go but i hope those relationships continue to grow and develop and one of the biggest things i hope comes out of it is as much as i love loose being a dork i hope she is a little less oblivious to amity's crush on her (laughs) well i mean that's i think that's part of like the whole Thing going, I think something serious is going to have to happen. I think for uh, Luz to, uh, you know, break that whole the whole thing. I think, and so he's being yeah. the shonen protagonist at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, characters ahead, really are back. at the heart of pretty much every good piece of fiction in terms of you know us appreciating the events as they are. You know, even the fight scenes are better because we care about the characters involved, things like that. But what's unique about season one of the Owl House to me is it, pretty much every episode, nearly, is an improvement on the previous one in every aspect of storytelling, which you've, we actually touched on this earlier, how a lot of this was because of the controls loosening on the writing team the further into the season you got. So I don't remember who brought it up earlier, but if they continue that trend, even if season three ends up being a disappointment because of losing a lot of the time they had, I think season two is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see how the how the show can continue to improve upon what it has established, because I, I definitely agree with that. The early seasons, or excuse me, early episodes could be a little clunky at times, um, but by the end of the season, you can really tell they were kind of on a roll there. So I'm very excited to see where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, just kind of like echoing what what you guys said, like the momentum that they had the last, you know, four episodes of season one was just phenomenal. And it's like if they can, you know, can keep that going for for season two, especially with like Dana said that there's like going to be darker themes involved. You know, I know like King's Past is going to be discussed in season two, and like that was a big huge plot thread that was never like elaborated on in season one um you know obviously we'll get more about like bellas and the titans so they have you know all these things going for it uh for for season two but i mean in terms of like season one specifically i think like it just came at just such uh, you know for the show itself like an incredible time because i mean if you think about it uh 
you know, after the first 10 episodes finished airing, I think it ended in like March of like 2020, which was like quarantine time, you know, like when that was just starting to pick up. It was also when Steven Universe Future ended. So it was kind of this time where, you know, people were looking for, you know, another show to kind of fill like that hole in their heart from Steven Universe. Uh, and then, you know, with quarantine, people are sitting at their houses like, hey, I don't have anything to watch. So like it just kind of became this show for everybody to just kind of like jump onto and just kind of immerse themselves in, you know, in that world. And I think that was just like, you know, obviously that was not a foreseen thing that they could have predicted. Mm -hmm. But I think it was just like for the show itself, like that was the perfect time for for it to come out. And I think we're seeing uh just like how incredible that response has been from from fans who who jumped on during you know that quarantine times yeah for sure i, I think that's one important thing i think to know as well that uh, the fact that we're going through such a a uh, pretty terrible time at the moment i think uh, across the world i think uh, you know the owl house has come in as i think is a a very good time and because uh, uh, i mean i was just about to just kind of like just uh roll back the years really and uh, go through um, doing all sorts of like you know other cartoon shows and uh, you know we're me and Patricia were talking about you know doing some other stuff like you know from the Jerry Anderson days and uh, you know possibly like uh, you know finally getting around to uh, you know doing a uh, you know Gravity Falls and doing a but uh, even probably even doing Bucky O'Hare and so was you know like that classic show but uh, you know all of a sudden here's the Owl House and it's like oh wow this has really captured our imaginations and our attention so uh, you know like uh pressure's on i'm not i'm not gonna lie i mean like season two's gonna have to deliver i think i don't think he's gonna get a choice in the matter i think he wants to uh you know continue his role and so uh yeah let's just see what they have to deliver yeah yeah final thoughts for me uh i really enjoyed the first season it had this great balance of being really really funny but at the same time it really like tugged into your heartstrings and you had the relationship with all the characters and just broadening up such interesting themes and morals that i hadn't seen in a show in a while and the fact that i was able to relate to a lot of them just really speaks um you know personally for me and i cannot wait to see what uh, season two has to offer especially with the stakes getting higher with um the portal of the you know of the earth being destroyed and with with um, both uh, Ida and with Lilith sharing the curse of the Owl Beast, and then Emperor Bellows being really serious about trying to find Lou so that they can be able to fix the portal, and then the discussion with the Titan and all that kind of stuff. It really makes me intrigued at what they're going to go with that direction. And also, I really would love to, you know, see more of the relationship between Luce and Amity. I'm hoping that that would also, you know, flourish in the course of the series. So, yeah, I'm really excited for it. I'm really invested with the Owl House. And uh, for all the, the followers of Aaron and I who have been suggesting for us to watch the Owl House, uh, thank you so much for doing so because it's been an amazing experience. And, and you can see on the screen, if you're watching this on YouTube, that we both have our Owl House shirts. So, uh, <laughs> We decided to like rock it out, so uh, yeah. there you go. I tell you, actually, going back to, uh, I mean, one thing that we actually didn't discuss that uh, you know, uh, you know, Emma Bellows might be rebuilding this portal, but Lou still has the key. I don't know if anyone notices mm -hmm. that she never handed over the key, so she still got that. So, uh, and uh, I don't know, like, uh, well, one funny thing I like to see, and I don't know, they, they never do this, but uh, like, you know, Ember Ballas fixes the portal and uh, he thinks he's going to like go back to the same place, but then he like ends up in like other places. Like, you know, like uh, he'll walk through the door and like, I don't know, like, uh, they'll be like, he'll walk into like Beavis and Butthead's house or something like that. And like, uh, just like, uh, they're just sitting there like, uh, can you get out of the way of the TV, please? <laughs> and not realize like yeah, this big behemoth has just come through the through the door. Like, uh, well, he uh, ends up in Equestria. There you go. <laughs> yeah, he swaps places with the girl from the ring. 
<laughs> anything. I don't. Uh, it's like a, a big, um, you know, guessing game as to what happens. We don't know. Yeah. But uh, no, um, thank you guys so much for coming on by. And I'm hoping that maybe, you know, when season two ends that we can have you back to discuss about it. Yeah, it'd be really oh, yeah. cool to do. Yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah, so uh, once again, a reminder for everybody who is listening, uh, for uh, those who are uh, people who purchase tickets for the Pele Center, it's going to be airing on the 9th of June. And then, and as for the rest of us, uh, we will be watching it on the 12th of June, which is going to be the first episode of season two. So uh, look forward to that when that comes out and uh, we'll be excited about it as well. So uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, we're just with this discussion about the Owl House podcast. So right before we go, uh, usual plug and promotion. So um, yeah, um, uh, Rebecca, why don't you plug and promote your stuff? Oh, okay. Uh, you can find my YouTube channel. Uh, it's it's Rebecca Rose. And then on Twitter, it's Hey Rebecca Rose, if you want to follow me on there. Okay. Uh, I'm Aaron of the Aaron Matters Show. Uh, my talk radio show is going to be coming back next week. Uh, more information will be coming over the next couple of days. Uh, also, to let you guys know, uh, we're, I found this thing called Spaces on Twitter. So um, if uh, everyone's up for it, uh, I might give it a go and uh, see. Uh, I mean, that's to be within the next week or so. We might have a play around with that. Also, I'm on with Aaron. I'm on Aaron and Patricia with obviously you know the lovely Patricia here, and uh, so uh, we do our podcast on there too. And uh, also, uh, we're still. Oh, by the way, all the people keep asking about you know dream machine and when we're going to like do you know the crudes and things like that well we'll get there eventually you know it's just it's uh, unfortunately it's just it's uh, time has not been on our side and also uh, here in the uk they keep putting it off so like uh, releasing the movie so i've not seen it yet so i yeah, don't know exactly yeah. there's one person who's been saying to us where is the crude's uh, new age uh, dream machine episode it came out in thanksgiving well for aaron it doesn't come out until july <laughs> and so by then not only will we have to discuss about crude's a new age but the new spirit movie will be out as well so we need to talk about that and then the new boss baby will be coming out you know a few months afterwards so yeah we'll be catching up with dream machine so don't you worry everybody the new spirit movie i wonder if we're gonna get some more brian adams (laughs) i don't think so considering that this is based off of the netflix series not on the movie okay then that's 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 a shame yeah yeah so yeah anyway twitter is at aaron meta show a-r-u-n-m-e-h-t-a-s-h-o-w if you want to find you ask me a question on tumblr it's aaronmeta.tumblr.com if you want to find me on instagram aaron meta show as always and uh, yeah you can find me on uh, various uh, podcast feeds which include you know uh, stitcher uh, Pod- apple podcasts uh, spotify also as well and uh, also uh, if you by the way if you find the aaron meta show on a podcast feed but i never shout it out please let us know i like to shout out all the podcast feeds who and podcast networks who carry our show and also uh, we are going to be looking to potentially go syndication on uh, on radio streams again as well so uh, i will be letting you guys know on that soon okay uh, go ahead, uh, Michael. I am a Fusionator on YouTube. That's Fusion, A-T-E-R. I primarily do reaction videos, that sort of nonsense. I uh, have reacted to The Owl House and Amphibia, two shows going on right now, which I'm deeply fond of. I'm right now going through the 2012 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show, if anyone wants to tune in for that. If I see anyone, hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> okay, uh, how about you, Paul? 
Uh, so uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Paul Thomas 1992. I'm also at, at Tumblr, uh, Gunter Fan uh, 1992. Um, I mostly talk about Adventure Time, but I do every once in a while also discuss things like Owl House and She-Ra and Gravity Falls and those sort of things. Okay. And uh, Timothy, uh, one more time, if you can plug and promote your blog. Okay. You can find me on Twitter as MickeyShy12. My blogs are a look at Disney, and currently I'm doing a passion project of going through and looking at every LGBTQ plus Disney character. But the latest one is on Elsa. She's probably the most popular gay-coded Disney character there is, even though Disney will never confirm it. And then my other blog series, which will probably be coming back soon, is Trotting Through Life, where I go through and review every episode of Friendship is Magic through a character retrospective of the main six. The last one was Rainbow Dash. The next one's probably going to be Applejack. Okay. And as for me, uh, you can find me on youtube.com slash old school lane, facebook.com slash old school lane. I'm on Twitter at Patty underscore B underscore Miranda. Uh, you can check out my podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Overcast, uh, many places. New episodes of my podcast, uh, Casual Chats and Old School Lane interviews will go there first. And then they'll go up in a few days on YouTube. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, let us know in the comments below about your thoughts on season one of the owl house uh, who were your favorite characters uh what were your favorite episodes what were your favorite moments what were your thoughts on um you know the big plot twist that happened with the last two episodes uh what are your thoughts are going to be for season two and what do you think that the direction that's going to be going on i'm actually genuinely curious and uh, you know shout outs for all the fans out there who continue to make creativity with their uh fan arts and their fan fictions and their animatics and all that kind of stuff so uh, thank you so much for listening hope to see you around soon and take care thank you everybody <laughs>